0: America one voice united we stand. I am America
1: one hope to heal Hi George Addis welcome to my show America can we talk Today we're going to talk about President Trump's Iran press conference this morning Claire Lopez National Iranian and national security expert joins me to talk about the situation with America and Iran, the Democrats' TDS endangers America, TDS being Trump derangement syndrome, and finally, the DOJ's alarming Flynn flip-flop, and I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned.
2: Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth.
1: And Hello again, and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's first five. Clearly I'm still in our West Coast headquarters of America Can We Talk, happy to be able to do this show even while we're traveling, and so happy to talk with you today about what's happening in America. I want to start out in the first five today to talk about the press conference President Trump held this morning. I have short segments available through Matt, the very wonderful producer, helping me uh, long distance. So Matt, if we can first play what President Trump had to say this morning at the White House related to the situation between America and Iran.
2: As long as I'm President of the United States, Iran will never be allowed to have a nuclear weapon. Good morning. I'm pleased to inform you The American people should be extremely grateful and happy. No Americans were harmed in last night's attack by the Iranian regime. We suffered no casualties. All of our soldiers are safe, and only minimal damage was sustained at our military bases. Our great American forces are prepared or anything. Iran appears to be standing down, which is a good thing for all parties concerned and a very good thing for the world. No American or Iraqi lives were lost because of the precautions taken, the dispersal of forces, and an early warning system that worked very well. I salute the incredible skill and courage of America's men and women in uniform. For far too long, all the way back to 1979, to be exact, nations have tolerated Iran's destructive and destabilizing behavior in the Middle East and beyond. Those days are over. Iran has been the leading sponsor of terrorism, and their pursuit of nuclear weapons threatens the civilized world. At my direction, the United States military eliminated the world's top terrorist, Qasem Soleimani. As the head of the Quds Force, Soleimani was personally responsible for some of the absolutely worst atrocities. He trained terrorist armies, including Hezbollah, launching terrorist strikes against civilian targets. He fueled bloody civil wars all across the region. He viciously wounded and murdered thousands of U.S. troops, including the planting of roadside bombs that maim and dismember their victims. Soleimani directed the recent attacks on U.S. personnel in Iraq that badly wounded four service members and killed one American, and he orchestrated the violent assault on the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad. In recent days, he was planning new attacks on American targets, but we stopped him. Soleimani's hands were drenched in both American and Iranian blood. He should have been terminated long ago. By removing Soleimani, we have sent a powerful message to terrorists If you value your own life, you will not threaten the lives of our people. Iran has sea ships in international waters, fired an unprovoked strike on Saudi Arabia, and shot down two U.S. drones. Iran's hostilities substantially increased after the foolish Iran nuclear deal was signed in 2013 and they were given $150 billion, not to mention $1.8 billion in cash. Instead of saying thank you to the United States, they chanted death to America. In fact, they chanted death to America the day the agreement was signed. Then Iran went on a terror spree, funded by the money from the deal, and created hell in Yemen, Syria, Lebanon, Afghanistan, and Iraq. The missiles fired last night at us and our allies were paid for with the funds made available by the last administration.
1: Folks, I wanted to really encourage you, if you did not watch that press conference this morning, you can watch the entire press conference by going to my website, americacanwetalk.org, and at that, my website, on the homepage under shows, drop down list of links, there's a link to the entire press conference. It's actually really worth listening to the whole thing. The reason I want to kick off today's first five with that is to focus on who it was that the American forces removed, eliminated uh, just a couple of days ago December, down January 3rd, and how important and significant he, it was as an effort to fight against the spread of Islamic terror coming out of Iran. I also want to commend one article to you to read. It's also on our website, americacanlytalk.org. It's called Salami, um, Excuse me, Qasem Soleimani, He Will Kill No More. It's actually from the Arab News. And the reason I really urge you to read this and understand is that much of what you're hearing out of Washington from the American left and from the media and from the Democrat presidential candidates is an argument that this was kind of like a, this was somehow grotesquely out of line. That this guy, you know, he may have been a bad guy, but we just can't go around killing people like him because we might provoke the Iranians. And so it's important for people to understand killing him should be seen, in, seen the same as the killing of Osama bin Laden, which most of America celebrated. I mean, so, I guess some uh, Americans may have thought it was a bad idea, but for most of America, we recognized whoever was president taking out a man of that. That kind of person, that enemy of America, that leader of terror was a good thing. Same with the killing of Abubakar al-Baghdadi, also praised by most Americans. What People didn't happen to know the name of this gentleman who was killed recently uh, by American forces, the Iranian general Soleimani, but to know just a little bit about his life, what he did, what he was responsible for, really puts, in in my view, puts into, into broad colors, put it into bold colors, the idea that the main reason the American left and people in Washington and the media are decrying this American military action is because underlying it all, there isn't an to, in any way possible, to criticize, to demean, to call into question President Trump and his leadership of this country. This guy who was taken out, the Iranian general Soleimani was, as you just heard President Trump allu- uh, you know, mentioning in brief in his comments this morning, has a long record of killing, murder, mayhem all over the Middle East. And we're going to talk with our expert coming up next. I mentioned in the start of the show, we had Claire Lopez joining us. We we're talking about the idea. So, okay, he's a really bad guy. And everybody knows it. And once you understand all the evil he committed, the thousands and thousands of lives he ended through his military action, through his leadership, through orchestrating the attack, you know, including, by the way, he was the one that orchestrated the attack, did not conduct it personally, but orchestrated the attack on the U.S. embassy in Baghdad, uh, which was uh, what led ultimately to the uh, military action to decide to take him out. Understanding what a bad guy he was, even though he didn't know his name, helps people get around to understanding taking him out is a step toward progress in telling the Iranians, we will not put up with your aggression. Now, that is my take on it. I could give you a long, a lengthy laundry list of the military actions, the conduct of this man over decades that would cause you to realize the world is a better place without him to read that document. I mentioned that, again, is on our website, org. Understand, this was not a minor player, and this also wasn't just a political figure within the country of Iran. This was a violently brutal military leader whose conduct in carrying out the Iranian mission to spread Islam and force... Uh, uh, for Islam, but spread Islam through violence to support terrorism and the many terrorist groups that are funded by the Iranian government. This was a man who, as President Trump said, should have been taken out a long time ago. I'll wrap up this first five by saying I will come back to this point at the end of this show, but I, and I'm very curious to hear Clara Lopez's views. I'm so glad she was available. We're very honored to have her joining us. I'm going to introduce her in a moment, but I'll come back to this point at the end. I don't even think we'd be having this conversation if President Obama or some other Democrat were president of our country and had engaged in exactly what the military did under President Trump. We wouldn't even be having the conversation. The conversation is happening in large part because the American left's determination to, in every way they can, attack, demean and belittle President Trump. But we're going to turn and talk to our uh, Claire Lopez, our guest joining us and, and you know, get her opinion. Because, and Before we bring her on, I want to tell you a little bit more about her. She's been on this show uh, quite a few times. I'm very, very grateful she happened to be available today to join us. So Claire Lopez is the vice president for research and analysis at the Center for Security Policy in Washington, D.C. But her background makes her genuinely an expert, a nationwide expert in America, on Iranian policy, Middle East policy, national security policy, uh, her background includes, in addition, as I mentioned, being vice president of the Center for Security Policy. Uh, it also includes she's been a senior fellow at the London Center for Policy Research, at the Board of Advisors for the Canadian Mackenzie Institute. Uh, she was she provided her expertise as an instructor. She's been an instructor on Iran, Hezbollah, the Red Green Axis for understanding the threat. The only program of its kind in the country providing threat focused strategic and national consultation she is formerly vice president of the intelligence summit she was a career operations officer with the central intelligence agency a professor at the center for counterintelligence and security studies executive director of the iran policy committee from 2005 and 2006 served as a consultant and intelligence analyst and researcher for a variety of defense firms she received her BA in communications and French from Notre Dame, uh, Notre Dame College of Ohio, and an MA in international relations from the Maxwell School at Syracuse. She completed Marine Corps officer candidate school, OCS, in Quantico, Virginia, before declining a military commission to join the CIA. This is a genuine long-term expert on Iran and the Middle East. And the reason I want to have her join us is because I want to dive deep today into understanding how we should all be thinking about the decision made by President Trump and our American government to take out Iranian General Soleimani in response to the attack on the American embassy in Baghdad. So I believe we have Claire Lopez online. Hi, Claire. Hi, Debbie. Very good to be with you again. Thank you. Hey. Hey, great to see you. You know, thank you for joining us. I will tell you, folks, doing this show f- remotely, I wasn't even sure if I was going to be able to see Claire's face, but yes, I can. So great to see you. So I want to start with Claire, just, you know, this huge, huge uh, matter of consequence to America, all that has uh, happened in just the last few days. So let me just start with how significant a figure is, was Iranian. General Soleimani, in terms of orchestrating Islamic terror in the Middle East?
0: Major General Qasem Soleimani uh, was a very senior figure within the Iranian regime. He joined that regime as a very young man in his 20s right after uh, the uh, revolution in 1979. He became the commander of the Quds Force in 1998. Now, that means that he led the Iranian regime's operation and involvement in the attacks of 9-11. That's something we don't hear people saying very often. I don't know why. I really think that if President Trump were to mention this, it would get attention. Qasem Suleimani led the Iranian government operation in 9-11. He was the Uh, commander uh, of many different uh, Iranian Shiite militias that were formed um, under the aegis of the Quds Force, and that includes Lebanese Hezbollah, which likewise, of course, was deeply involved in 9-11 under the direction of Qasem Soleimani. Um, this, uh, This General Soleimani and the Quds Force have worked directly with both Sunni and Shiite terror militias to include Al-Qaeda, Hamas, Hezbollah, uh, the Iraqi terror Shiite militias, uh, sometimes called the Hashdashabi or um, the, the popular mobilization Units. sometimes. Uh, this is a commander that has worked with the Taliban. Uh, you, you, you see that I'm, I'm including both Sunni and Shiite terror yes, militias. Yep. And, and I think that's an important point to make that in the pursuit of the Islamic doctrine, the commitment, the obligation to spread the revolution, to spread Islamic rule over all the world, they will work with both Sunni and Shiite. By the way, everything I just told you about that obligation, it's in the Iranian constitution. Online it's in English too.
1: I have to tell you, I learned that fact from you, Clara Lopez, in some previous interview. And yesterday in the show, I remembered it preparing and I brought it up again. I actually posted it on our website, AmericaCanBeTalk.org. You can go read the Iranian constitution. I began speaking of it as a constitution that committed the country itself to jihad. It's a jihad-led country, a jihad-driven country because of what they committed to in their constitution. And I'm so glad you mentioned that again, because I think that part of the uh, reaction in America uh, to what the uh, president did, the taking out Soleimani, uh, was that people think, well, we have really provoked Iran, that we were on such a good path with them before under President Obama. We had the JCPOA, which is the Iranian deal. We were on a good path toward peace with them. And now look what's happened. We've messed everything up. But actually, Iran, because of their commitment to jihad in their constitution, Is it fair to have been kind of at war with the non-Muslim world since the revolution in 1979? This Iranian regime
0: has been at war certainly with the United States, but with the entire uh, non-Shia, I'm sorry, with the non-Sharia, the non-Sharia world um, since the beginning. Exactly right, since 1979. Um, But just with regard to the United States, I mean, they kicked off right away in 1979 with a takeover of our United States embassy. That's sovereign territory, by the way, in Tehran, two times in 79. We remember the takeover in November. People forget that they had done it previously in February the same year. So our embassy, Tehran, 1979, um, they began uh, working um, towards the establishment of Hezbollah, terrorist uh, militia in Lebanon, the early 1980s. Um, during the 80s, of course, was the uh, the horrific Iran and uh, uh, Iraq uh, war, um, and but that's significant because towards the end of that decade, uh, about 1988, uh, a year before the Ayatollah Khomeini died. He was so concerned about the ability of the Iranian regime to survive, they weren't even sure they were going to make it against Saddam Hussein, that he, Khomeini, turned to the IRGC and essentially said, get the bomb. Khomeini issued the order to get the bomb in 1988. The IRGC went immediately to Pakistan, to A.Q. Khan, so-called father of the Pakistani bomb, and that's where they got their first blueprints and some centrifuge parts and other things. Uh, so that 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 is where the nuclear weapons program began. It has never stopped. It has never slowed down um, in, in all the time since then. So uh, then, Qasem Soleimani, um, you know, is is a a, a a soldier. I mean, he he fought uh, with the IRGC in the Iran Iraq War. Um, but but move on ahead. Um, into 1990. That is when the Iranian regime alliance with Al-Qaeda and with Hezbollah was formally uh, set in Khartoum in a meeting under the aegis of the Muslim Brotherhood government there led by Umar al-Bashir, who was uh, in, uh, he was president of Sudan until just last year or or, or a year and something ago uh, when he was ousted. But, Under his aegis and the Muslim Brotherhood, that is how the alliance, Sunni-Shiite alliance between Al-Qaeda, Hezbollah, uh, and Iran was formed in 1990. What did we get after that? Okay, Qasem Soleimani is part of this. Uh, We got Kobar Towers in 1996. We got East Africa Embassy bombings in Nairobi and Dar es Salaam in 1998. We got the U.S.'s coal attack in 2000, and then we got 9-11. And then came uh, the, the the 19 or, or the 2000s when uh, Qasem Soleimani, firmly in charge of the Quds Force now, uh, was responsible, as you were talking about Debbie in the lead up here, um, for for sending all of those explosive devices um, yeah. from Iran where they were made across the border into Iraq where they tore apart. Uh, so many of our fine uh, military members and also coalition and Iraqis, too, coalition members and Iraqis, too. This was yep. Qasem Soleimani. He did that. I'll tell you, a number of us used to go to Bethesda Naval Hospital on uh, holidays like uh, Christmas and uh, Fourth of July to visit these young kids, and I mean kids, 18, 19, 20 years old mm-hmm. without arms and legs, blown off by... Yep. Qasem Soleimani and his explosive devices sent to the Iraqi Shiite militias, the same ones like the Qatayb Hezbollah, this one now, that was just responsible uh, for attacking our bases in Iraq, and also for leading that attack on our uh, embassy in Baghdad.
1: I have to tell you, I, first of all, Claire, I've said this to you I think every time you're on my show, I wish I could just take notes while you're talking. I'm going to take notes later and listen to this, but it does because people have been saying essentially, well, okay, so he was a bad guy, <clears throat> really bad guy, but why now? And I think really the question based on what you're saying is, why didn't America take this guy out many, long time ago? I mean, we're, we're talking about a guy who's done all the things you said, and yet you have some people in Congress and the media complaining about that this is a provocation of, Iran in fact I want to mention something there was the um, the Iran foreign minister uh, naturally CNN gave him an interview Iranian foreign minister Mohammad Javid Zarif was interviewed in CNN on Tuesday and he basically said that Tehran, that this was a terrible thing that we Americans had killed one of their most, re, most revered commanders and most senior commanders and we've even admitted it he's saying even America's admitted it he's basically saying that America uh, you know, can't do this because this is state, Terrorism. And I want to have you respond to that. How legitimate is that criticism of America's action? Uh, not legitimate at all. So, uh, obviously, the
0: foreign minister, Javad Zarif, this is the guy, by the way, that negotiated uh, the, uh, the Obama deal, the nuclear deal with Iran. That's who this is. Uh, he is a, um, a, a core member of, of the Iranian regime. Um, He is uh, in the position of foreign minister, but he is every bit uh, as uh, much a part of this regime as Qasem Soleimani ever was. Now, because the Iranian regime literally has been at war with the United States since 1979 and has attacked, killed, maimed, kidnapped, tortured our American citizens, uh, both military and civilian, over there, not to mention over here on 9-11, um, a state of war has existed between our countries in all of that time. It was not acknowledged. It was not admitted. I don't know why. But that means that those generals like Qasem Suleimani, who rose to be a major general, commander of the Quds Force, was a valid military target because that regime, and certainly the Quds Force, were at war with the United States. Um, obviously, the IRGC, the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, uh, for which the Quds Force is a, a, a I mean, administratively um, a, a, a division of the IRGC, oh. but really, um, yes. Uh, but but the, um, I mean the Quds Force reported directly to the Supreme Leader. Um, and, and so that subordinate uh, administrative um, is, is more administrative than anything else. But nevertheless, IRGC um, is a, des- a designated foreign terrorist organization of the United States. Iran, for many many years now, uh, has been designated the number one uh, terror-supporting state in the world. We're at, we're in a, a state of war and have been for forty something years. So. Um, a, a senior general like Qasem Soleimani is absolutely a valid target um, for the United States military, for the United States government.
1: Amen. Could not agree more. And I love you. I love what you said. Thank you so much. I want to go on to though. There was an attempt or an apparent attempt by the Iranians to retaliate. They fired some missiles. Uh, whatever, about a quarter of them missed the target or, or never even uh, didn't were operational, but. Is your sense that that was a uh, an issuance of you know, a, just a response from Iran to save face, or was there actually an attempt to destroy the the? Uh, it was the American military forces that those uh, that those missiles were aimed at. You think it was just an attempt to save face, or was it really an attempt because they intend to ratchet up their violence against America based on this killing of Soleimani?
0: You know, uh, hard to tell. Um, Uh, What we're talking about here is the launching of around 15 um, ballistic missiles out of Iran um, at uh, two different um, bases in Iraq, one in Erbil in the north, one in western France, um, that uh, are are bases for United States military, their position there. Um, There is reporting, I don't know if it's, it's correct, but there is reporting reporting that says that the Iranians actually gave the United States heads-up warning that this attack was coming. Um, In any case, all of our bases around the entire region of the Middle East um, have been on the highest state of alert since uh, the takedown of Qasem Soleimani last uh, last week. So uh, in any case, we're very thankful uh, that there weren't uh, casualties and apparently what it looks like is very minimal damage otherwise. Um, but, but look, these Iraqi or Shiite militias under the command of uh, Qassem Soleimani, uh, in particular Qatayb Hezbollah, whose commander, by the way, uh, Abu Mahdi al-Muhandis, was killed in the same strike uh, strike as uh, Soleimani himself. They were in the car together that got hit. Um, you know, Qatayb Hezbollah had been launching attacks against our bases, bases where Americans were, were stationed in Iraq, across Iraq, for many, many weeks, for months. We didn't hear much about that. They didn't talk about it, but that was going on. And it was only a matter of time before, unfortunately, an American would be killed and a contractor citizen, American citizen, was killed uh, in one of those strikes last week and four other American troops badly injured. So. You know, the fact that that they, they fired and maybe they gave a heads-up warning, maybe they missed, maybe they weren't using uh, the most um, precision guidance uh, equipment that they might have had, I think that's irrelevant. The point being is that this is a regime dedicated to jihad. It is dedicated to getting the United States presence out of the Middle East. That is, that is um, a doctrine for all of Islam, that foreign or non-Muslim may not have any presence in Islamic lands. Uh, So they're obeying Islamic doctrine uh, in in trying to push us out. The Iraqi parliament uh, took a non ding vote uh, a couple of days ago to um, express uh, kind of a sense of the parliament uh, resolution um, that, that American troops should leave. Now, that's a decision that would be up to the prime minister legally under the Iraqi system uh, and our agreement, that status of forces agreement with the United States, up to the prime minister, um, Abu Mahdi. Um, However, he's um, in a a kind of a, a dubious position because he resigned his position as prime minister, but has stayed on as a caretaker prime minister. So whether it's even valid that they are trying you know, that that vote took place or uh, the prime minister apparently now reportedly has expressed support for the United States troops to remain. All of that said, um, the ultimate objective for this Iranian regime uh, is to get American troops out of the Middle East, specifically, in particular, out of Iraq, uh, which the Tehran regime, I think, um, views as uh, a client state, a satrap, if you will. Uh, much like uh, the Beirut um, uh, administration in uh, Lebanon and also uh, the, um, the the one in Iraq and in Lebanon, both in, in the same sort of uh, category, uh, that they think they should be dominating.
1: I would refer to the Iraq vote for one second. The Iraqi parliament voted solution and so to say that all foreign troops should get out. So it wasn't just America. But second, most important was when they barely had a quorum, most of the people present at the parliament who voted were Shia, members of the parliament who are Shia Muslims, not the Sunnis. The Sunnis weren't there. And so it's kind of like the Shias are maybe kind of standing up for this uh, general Suleimani who was killed. And the Sunnis aren't so sure it was a bad thing. I mean, I, I thought it was a very on balance, a very weak message from the Iraqi parliament, given they couldn't get, they barely got a quorum, didn't have the Sunnis on board. Uh, Do you agree with that? Yeah, you're absolutely
0: right about that, Debbie. And I I should mention something else here. I think this is the place for it maybe. Um, And that is uh, the uprisings, the domestic uprisings that have been taking place in Iraq, in Lebanon and inside of Iran itself um, over the last couple of years. Uh, Again, the media, for whatever reason, just does not cover this, but take Iran, the Iranian people have been in the streets demonstrating, protesting, on strike since late December 2017. That's more than two years now. Uh, Without letting up, it is uh, something that is going on all over the country, and it is not just protests against a bad economic situation, certainly that's part of it or uh against the corruption of the of the uh, Iranian regime that's part of it too. Uh, but it's also very specifically they are sick and tired of this regime under clerical rule. Vilayri Fahi is the the name for it the rule of the jurisprudence under rule of uh, clerics in Iran. They've even been in the streets calling Margbar Khamenei, death to Khamen the, the supreme yeah. leader. so, that's Iran domestically. In Iraq, very interesting situation. Uh, beginning a few months ago, uh, protests broke out in the southern part of Iraq. That means among the Shiite concentration uh, of population there mm-hmm. in the south, Baghdad and South Basra, and so forth. Um, and they also were protesting out loud against Iranian interference in their country's affairs. And then finally, of course, in Lebanon, there are protests, also beginning with um, economic protests, protests against corruption, but then also moving very quickly to um, explicit protesting against uh, the the, uh, domination of their country by Hezbollah, which they understand, they realize, um, is the uh, proxy Shiite terror force of Uh, of Iran. So these three countries, the the popular, the domestic uprising, discontent that they've had to deal with, uh, really also uh, puts the Iranian regime on the defensive, on the back foot. Um, I think that what we ought to be doing uh, in terms of U.S. policy is encouraging all of these people, um, especially though in Iran. All the protesters. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Um, encouraging them, backing them, supporting them um, to gain their freedom uh, against uh, this oppressive jihad regime in Tehran.
1: Okay. One last, this is probably a huge question. One last question though, no, and then I, I'll let you, I could happily do this for three hours, but I don't have three hours. And thank you so much for taking time to do this today. It's just great to talk with you, but what is the answer to the leftists or whoever you would characterize to the people who say, why don't we bring all U.S. military home from every place in the Middle East, let the Middle East be the cauldron that it is, the ongoing battles between Shia and Sunni and everybody else, Wahhabis, everybody else. Why don't we just bring everybody home? What's the danger to America to do that?
0: Because the United States has core compelling national security interests in this area, in this region. Um, Look at that map um, right over my my shoulder there. It is a map of the Middle East, and I would call your attention specifically to the waterways. Um, One of our core compelling uh, national security objectives, of course, is to help keep free uh, commercial shipping and the, the free passage through waterways. On that map there behind me are three of the most critical straits Waterway Straits in the world Uh, Obviously the Suez Canal is one of those the Bab el-Mandeb which lies between the Horn of Africa and the Arabian Peninsula Is another and the Strait of Hormuz uh, Which uh, is between Iran uh, and the Arabian Peninsula is another Iran if, if we look at what Iran has been doing this regime in Iran has been doing it is not just to threaten Israel another of our core compelling interests, because they are our number one uh, top ally in the region, not only trying to surround Israel with hostile forces, Hamas, Hezbollah, yeah. et cetera, but also to surround the entire Arabian Peninsula, because what is the number one enemy, I mean, maybe aside from the United States and Israel, uh, in the region for this Iranian regime in Tehran, it is the regime in Saudi Arabia. It is the royal family, the uh-huh. Saudi royal family, and its, um, it's a domination, if you will, it's, its administration of what Muslims call the two holy places, Mecca and Medina. The Shiites feel that they have been left out, kept out of uh, participation in administration of those two places ever since Muhammad or shortly after Muhammad, and this goes on and on. But the point being here, Our interests include keeping open those shipping lanes through those straits that that the Iranian regime seeks to threaten by having a position from which, either by itself or through proxies, the Iranian regime can threaten those straits or simply by launching missiles directly um, out of its own territory or from the territory, the the, the places of of its proxies, Houthis in Yemen, in Iraq, at Saudi Arabia, and the oil fields, the oil facilities there, Iran puts at threat not just the United States, we, thank you Donald Trump, are uh, energy (laughs) independent now. But many of our friends and allies around the world are not. And keeping open those sea lanes is critically important. So I've named two things, keeping open the sea lanes. Um, certainly standing by the side of our number one ally, Israel. Those are two top uh, security objectives for the United States and the region. There are more, but those would be the two
1: top ones. Claire Lopez, I cannot thank you enough. Thanks for taking time to join me today in American We Talk. Thanks for all of your expertise and for just being in the fight for defending and explaining American interests, American foreign policy, helping more and more Americans understand the threat that Iran, Poses to the world, you're just a you're just a treasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, Debbie. Thank you very much. Great to have you. I've tell you, folks, you their website, she's with the Center for Security Policy. I cannot urge you strong enough to go to their website, Center for Security Policy, and read papers every single day, new papers, new information, including things uh, that relate to Iran. These are people who have been to these places, lived there, done the work. Um, And I really wanted to take that time with her to get around to the point uh, in talking with you about that, as I said at the start of the show, I really do not think we would be having any kind of serious discussion in this country about whether or not America was wise to take out this murderous Iranian general, a gentleman who represents the jihadist government of Iran. We're only having this conversation and questioning whether that was wise because of the American left's determination to destroy President Trump, to call into question his leadership, his decision-making, his ability to serve as commander-in-chief, and anything the Democrats can do to undermine him is that they will go for it. So I want to turn and talking to, we have just a few minutes left in the show today, but I, I called this segment, uh, I'm referring to the DTS is, or, excuse me, TDS is Trump derangement syndrome, but the Democrat Trump Arrangement syndrome endangers america and i really really mean that we're at a time where we're in the 2020 elections we have you know we have primaries coming up we're going to have super Tuesdays going to happen before we, we know it we have however many people are left and i can't even keep track 12 i think left maybe 11 or 12 left running for president and the democrat side of the aisle and most the top contenders the people who actually want to they want to be your president, their main reaction to the, absolute, to the taking out of this evil Iranian general representing Iran that's been essentially at war with America since its revolution in 1979, their reaction is to defend him, to speak of him as a leader, as a military leader, a respected leader, I mean, on and on. And I want to tell you why this is so important. I'm going to play a clip in just a second, which is one of the Democrat presidential contenders, Elizabeth Warren, was on CNN with Jake Tapper, blathering on and on about questioning why President Trump did this. But I want to make a couple points that really matter. Number one, the Democrats are so blinded by their hatred of President Trump, by their determination to take back the White House, their determination. To discredit him, that they would rather criticize and attack an American military action that took out a man who has literally been responsible for the murder and maiming of hundreds of Americans. They'd rather call they'd rather praise that guy, call into question Donald Trump than be able to say, thank God, that America took charge and america fought back against the iranian regime this is what everyone tuned into the facts should be saying thank god we had a president and a military willing and able to take out this guy but instead they're trying to find some way to dance around the issue to, to say well i'm not really sure i mean i know it was a really bad guy and everything Same people who seem to be fine with taking out Osama bin Laden when President Obama did that. That was a great thing. No problem with that. This is a guy equal in stature and level of evil and mayhem and death and destruction he has inflicted in the world. And somehow they cannot admit that it's a good thing. So quick clip for you. This is Elizabeth Warren talking to CNN with Jake Tapper. Matt, the very wonderful producer, I believe, has it ready. Next week. THE PRESIDENT OF THE UNITED STATES COULD BE FACING AN IMPEACHMENT TRIAL IN THE SENATE. WE KNOW HE'S DEEPLY UPSET ABOUT THAT. AND I THINK PEOPLE ARE REASONABLY ASKING, WHY THIS MOMENT? WHY DOES HE PICK NOW TO TAKE THIS HIGHLY INFLAMMATORY, HIGHLY DANGEROUS ACTION THAT MOVES US CLOSER TO WAR? We've been at war for 20
0: years in the Middle East. We need to stop the war in the Middle East, not expand it. Senator, are you suggesting that President Trump pulled the trigger and had Qasem Soleimani killed as a distraction from from impeachment?
1: Look, I think people are reasonably asking about the timing. This is not a moment when a president should be escalating tensions and moving us to war. The job of the president is to keep us safe, and that means move back from the edge. This is a woman who shouldn't be in charge of anything, let alone be president of the United States. I'll tell you another problem with, beside that all issues are decided in the Democrats' brains based on how can I hurt President Trump. Number two is, this is a woman who is so profoundly unfamiliar so ignorant about the danger posed by Iran, what Iran's world, what they've done in the past. So ignorant that, and it is even just ignorance. It's worse than ignorance. It is having no moral capacity to make a distinction between the evil represented by Soleimani, represented by the jihadist government of Iran, and America. She actually thinks that, if, that somehow, if we just pull away, if we just, you know, Iran will leave us alone, that the, that the Islamic regimes of the world, the jihadist regimes of the world will leave us alone, that they'll be just, they'll be fine, we, we, we're just going to pull back. She doesn't realize what President Trump was doing is fighting back against an enemy that means to destroy us. She has no perception of the danger that Iran poses to the world especially someone like Suleimani, and even worse, she has no, she's embraced that left-wing moral equivalency of all things. You know, who's to say that Islamic jihad is just as great as American people? You think I'm exaggerating, but she cannot get to that moral conclusion. She can't bring herself to admit this was a really bad guy representing a really bad regime, and the world's better off without him. She can't do it. Similarly, the two other of the Highly, you know, the the high contenders, the top contenders to be president of the United States on the Democrat side, you had, you had uh, Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders, actually, in an interview, equated the American decision to take out an Iranian general who had orchestrated the attack on the American embassy ordered the planning of the IEDs, been responsible for the death and destruction of hundreds and hundreds of Americans, thousands of people all over the Middle East. And Bernie Sanders equated America's ending this man's life with Russia's Putin sometimes killing Russian dissidents. He actually said that in an interview. I mean, just like, you know, Putin shouldn't be killing dissidents in his own country, Trump shouldn't have killed Soleimani. People, this is a dangerous man. This is a man who is living in his head, where his head is, where his thinking is, is a globalist, is a man with no sense of what America is, what it stands for, the righteousness, the goodness of America. He can't see that, he can't. This is a globalist mindset that would equate America's military taking out a guy Who represents the country of Iran but at war in America for 40 years, works every day to kill Americans and to destroy America, and he thinks it's equivalent to Putin killing his own citizens, dissident citizens in his country. This is a dangerous, dangerous man, has no business running for anything close to the presidency of the United States of America. Biden had similarly idiotic statements I'm going to run out of time here. we got to start a little bit late today. But I want to urge you again to go to our, website, Talk, to our brilliant, brilliant piece by Joe Lieberman, the former United States Senator from Connecticut, who was actually the chair of the Senate uh, Intelligence Committee. I forget which committee it was. But you know he was a serious, serious player in the United States Senate for years, a Democrat who has weighed in via a Piece he had placed in the Wall Street Journal weighed in to make the point that it, the Democrats are, are dangerously partisan on this subject of dealing with Iran. He, Lieberman, is criticizing the Elizabeth Warrens, the Bernie Sanders, the Nancy Pelosi's, the leftists in this country who are attacking President Trump for taking out Soleimani. Lieberman's point being, you can't politicize foreign policy. You have to recognize defense of America is a bigger issue than politics at home and which team you play for, the Rs or the Ds. He is pointing out the evil of Soleimani, the need to stand up against him, the need to stand up against Iran, the complete legal and moral authority President Trump had to order this killing. Lieberman lays all that out. And you know, you're never gonna get anyone running for president on the Democrat side to listen to that, but they should. Lieberman lays out a whole bunch of logic, again, at our website, americancanbetalk.org, on the homepage, under shows, drop down, list of links. You can read this editorial. I cannot urge you strongly enough to read it. Last point, uh, wrapping up, and we're just gonna have to go to this again tomorrow or some other uh, day soon. I wanted to touch on the point. This is relating to our very last topic of the day, Department of Justice did a flip-flop on Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. I'm extremely, extremely troubled by it. I'll, I'll just plant this seed here. After, after the DOJ, it was discovered, they interviewed Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. They went back to their headquarters, the FBI, and said, no one thinks he's lying. We all believe him. They did the whole Mueller setup, perjury trap, arm-twisting, threatening, threatening his family, threatening his children. He finally pled guilty to something. Finally got a new lawyer, brilliant briefs being uh, filed by his lawyer, Sidney Powell, who's been on the show many times, filed, filed a briefs pointing out to the court, this is part of the Mueller witch hunt. This is, this is an outrage that this man should face. Jail time, DOJ said all along, you're right, this is crazy. You know, in fact, Mo, uh, that uh, Flynn had been cooperating. No jail time should come to him. And recently, just this week our Department of Justice, now run by Attorney General Barr, our Department of Justice said in a pleading to the court that they think that Lieutenant General Michael Flynn should serve somewhere between zero and six months in jail uh, for this complete non-crime. And they've now discovered that Emmett Sullivan, the judge who used to be on the side of exposing government corruption, seems to be kind of okay with everything Mueller did, everything the Mueller team did, and this entire witch hunt attack and Lieutenant General Michael Flynn sentencing uh, is, I think, January 28th coming up. he'll find out if he really goes to jail or not. This is an outrage. and It actually calls into question whether Attorney General Barr, it's his Department of Justice now. These are his DOJ lawyers filing this pleading, saying to the court, yeah, second thought, even though we never thought he lied and even though he cooperated and even though we used to say he shouldn't go to jail, now we want jail time. And apparently, Barr, at least at this point, did not step in. Okay, folks, we got started late, so I'm wrapping up late. I'm going to turn and tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. And they really, really do matter to you. So our first story today, President Trump speaks out on Iran. Key takeaways, no American or Iraqi casualties from the Iranian missile strike last night. Four of 15 missiles were does, didn't even detonate. Iran is apparently standing down after face-saving retaliation. No talk of further escalation by either side, but President Trump says all options available. He's telling them don't mess with America. More sanctions on the Iranian regime, which are just killing them already, and this is a really good thing. The Iranian missile shot at Americans, and please think about how much this matters, were effectively paid for by Obama's deal. Sending billions to Iran gave them money to have missiles available to fire at America. Obama's deal was a treaty that never would have been pa- never would have passed the Senate, but Obama did an end run around the Constitution and called it an agreement. And the GOP sadly rolled over. America continues to pay a big price for electing Obama and for tolerating his appeasement of the Iranian mullahs. The Democrats' TDS endangers America. Why it matters even the least politically engaged American can see. Dems are completely blinded by their hatred of Trump everything Trump does is bad. Much of what he does must be impeachable. Sanders, Biden, Warren, top Democrat contenders more determined to attack Trump than to protect America. Soleimani was an enemy. He was a terrorist general charged to bring death to America. He held top responsibility for the killing and maiming of American soldiers who were doing the bidding of Republican and Democrat presidents. He orchestrated the December 31 attack on the American embassy in Baghdad, which did not end up like Benghazi, because America fought back. It is a good thing he is gone. All Americans should be relieved and grateful. TDS blocks moral clarity and endangers America. And finally the DOJ and their alarming Flynn flip flop. DOJ's last minute change to a demand for a zero to six month prison term for Lieutenant General Michael Flynn is unconscionable. Flynn was set up, refrained by Obama's politicized FBI and DOJ, was driven to sign a plea deal after the most unethical and ruthless pressure imaginable, and everyone inside the Beltway knows it, and so do millions of Americans. DOJ's action raises questions about Judge Emmett Sullivan. He used to be angry with government misconduct, quietly about face. And Attorney General Barr, does he have control of the DOJ, or does he support this travesty Can Barr and Durham drain the swamp, but let this travesty stand? And folks, I want to thank you so much for tuning in to America Can We Talk? Every Monday through Thursday, 3 p.m. Central Time, email me at americacanmetalk at gmail.com. I'm going to wrap up the show by saying, please tune in every day to this show where I always speak up for America because America matters. I'll talk to you tomorrow.
2: we talk truth about America.